Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tokyo on Fire. Today is November 24th, 2016. Happy Thanksgiving. Yesterday was Labor Day in Japan, a national holiday. I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Chuchek. Michael, thank you very much. It's great to be here. It's great to, it's, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone in the United States. Today, we are reporting from a slushy, blustery, and snowy Tokyo. And, but one that got a good shake in the morning, and we'll be probably talking about that. Right. Before we get into that, let's talk about Abe's incredibly busy schedule last week. You know, he went to visit President-elect Donald Trump. On his way to this APEC summit, he took a, a short break, he, he, or uh, it wasn't really a detour, but it looks kind of interesting that he really got onto a plane and didn't know if he was going to meet him or not, but darn it if he didn't. Sure. We've heard a little bit of the scuttlebutt leading up to that meeting. It was really thrown together. It caused a little bit of consternation among the uh, State Department individuals who usually do this sort of thing. And well, not only just the State Department, but here in Tokyo, right. uh, you could see that MOFA, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, was really against this. They, even, there in fact, were competing uh, factions. There was the Kante, the Prime Minister's residence, sent its person, right. and MOFA sent its person, and they were both going around Washington meeting people. Now, whether MOFA really was trying to subvert what the Conte was doing is a question, mm -hmm. but it sure looked strange. And certainly folks that I've spoken to in Washington and said, they're, yeah, they're competing here. Mm -hmm. They're competing for attention. They're competing for time. And there was, there was even a report that, well, what, good luck to you, Mr. Mr. Abe, which was clearly something that was leaked by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. Right, well, as we've reported before, it is a whole new world here. I mean, what Donald Trump is going to bring to the, the White House, what his administration is going to look like, what U.S.-Japan relations are going to look like, I think is going to be vastly different than what it's, what it's been like for the last eight years. I think it's going to be vastly different than anything we've seen in the last 30. Uh, last week when we, we recorded this show with Dr. Gerald Curtis, he said he was very uh, impressed with the way that the Abe administration got a f at least a few contacts going with the Trump uh, team before the election happened because it it was really not something right. that they had really concentrated on. My sense is that really it, it, they 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 almost had nothing. Right. Uh, there was only the, yes. the fact that Flynn had come here and spoken to various individuals, and not just in the Abe administration, spoke to to some of the uh, defense mavens inside the DP, for example, inside the Democratic Party. He, he just did a, a tour of the usual suspects mm -hmm. in, in defense and security. Uh, and that's pretty much the extent of the connections that existed, right. or at least as far as I know. Do you know something more? Well, from what I know, it was a bit of a back-channel approach to uh, the president-elect. It did cause a little bit of um, discomfort in uh, the, the Trump Tower uh, for the prime minister to kind of insert himself somewhat unannounced, unprepared. I mean, both, both sides were unprepared. I mean, the people who were in this meeting, um, basically a, a rather secured meeting, there was a lot of, you know, controversy the about Trump that. The Trump side didn't even have a translator. That's so right. So they had to rely on Mr. Abe's translator, which, of course, uh, foreign policy folks said, gosh, what a team of amateurs, yes. uh, that you always have your own translator sure. to... to, to dump stuff on and also 
get the information from. So it was but really... But I don't think it really... I don't think it was that kind of a meeting. I oh, mean, no, I think the so. Prime Minister speaks eloquent English. I mean, he can hold his own. He can hold his own, but that's... But you clearly, if you're coming in to a leader-to-leader kind of meeting, you need your translator with you. He wanted to be the first in, and he thought that this would generate a little bit of leeway for himself later in the week. It turns out that it quite didn't work that well. Oh, he, he went from to New York to the Apex Summit in Lima. And, and Japan was in a new position now geopolitically, mm -hmm. where we have in the United States an individual who is going to be pulling seemingly the United States out of a lot of international commitments. Sure, Ms. President Obama was there as a symbol of the United States, but everyone saw that whatever he was doing was built on sand because mm -hmm. the man in New York was saying quite different things. And Mr. Abe suddenly became the point man, as it were, for, at least in Asia Pacific, for liberal internationalism, mm -hmm. which is a, a big change for all those of us who are sort of on the left and do Japanese studies. Suddenly we have to think about Abe's the guy we have to rely on to keep the structure going. Isn't it funny though? I mean, Japan, uh, this is so out of context from what we've grown to to know about Japan. Yeah, Japan was the Japan, stick in the mud. That's right, and now they are the standard bearer. I mean, it's the longest administration of all of the the major countries. They're the ones well, that Well, Merkel's are... been around for a very, very long okay. time in Germany. But nevertheless, in terms of, uh, of, of the Asia Pacific side, yeah, it's, and gosh darn, suddenly Abe, is the one who has Holding to the banner. He has to hold the banner of liberalism, mm -hmm. which for it just shows how tr transformed the world has become mm -hmm. in the in what is the backwash from the global financial crisis. Sure, there was a, a, a response, but clearly there are all kinds of resentments that have built up all over the world. We have Brexit right. that, that, that was unexpected. We have the rise of the right wing on the continent in Europe, and now we have the Trump presidency. Japan is an island in more ways than one sure. now. Sure, That's terrific, Michael. I'd like to talk a little bit more about Abe and Putin in a later episode. Please stay tuned. We're going to keep our eye on what's going on with the United States and Japan. Welcome back. On Tokyo on Fire, we focus exclusively on the critical issues that are facing Japan. The Prime Minister was in Lima, he was in Buenos Aires, he's been talking to leaders of other countries that are very important and critical to the Japan relationship. Michael, he had a hot meeting with uh, President Putin. Yeah, that may be not, I would not use the word hot. I would say uh, awkward, mm -hmm. uh, un, maybe not unpleasant. Meaningful. Meaningful. They, they met for quite a number of minutes and uh, the minister in charge of the, of the Russo-Japanese relationship, uh, Seko Hiroshige, pre presented an eight-point plan for economic cooperation. We've done that before. And we've done, he had that, and then they had a private meeting afterward. But from the way that Mr. Abe was speaking and talking after the meeting, and the way that Putin, who normally is in complete control, was speaking, but looking and, and before the meeting, this seems to have gone really badly. There are so many balls in the air. I mean, I'm so glad that we have Tokyo on fire to discuss these things because things are happening now at a rate that is just really stunning. We're talking about the Northern Territories issues. 
we're talking about, you know, what's going on with TPP. A lot of things have happened within the context of just two weeks. Yeah, it's, and, and in this case, the, the, the APEC summit, which is about the coordination of the economies throughout the Asia-Pacific region and has been the framework for the smaller groupings, such as TPP right. and RCEP, that they, it was at this meeting on the sidelines that Abe and Putin were going to have their final setup meeting for the Putin summit, whereas Putin is not in a multilateral set, setting, but in a bilateral setting with one of the major allies of the West. Mm -hmm. It's a strange way of putting it, seeing how it's global in, in scale. But nevertheless, the Western alliance that have been shutting him out because of Crimea and what's happening in, in Ukraine. This was supposed to be uh, the final setup meeting, but suddenly, with the eruption of the Trump presidency, I, I sensed it was really cold and, and, and that Putin was just not engaged and mm -hmm. it just wasn't for him anymore. Yes, and, he went to see Mr. Trump instead of, uh, I mean, was, there, was, the, I mean, was that a, a slight? I didn't think that it was, but I've heard that perhaps uh, Putin thought, you know, what are you doing visiting with Donald Trump instead, you know, of, instead of with me? Because I mean, you were scheduled to come here directly. Why did you stop in New York first? Yeah, no, no, of course Putin understands why. But nevertheless, suddenly with the United States or, uh, under a, uh, a Trump presidency, moving away from an antagonistic relationship toward Russia, and, and something else, we don't know quite what it is because we simply don't know, it's, it's, who, we don't know anything about this administration question, right, right now. Uh, but nevertheless, it's supposed to be different. Suddenly, Putin seems to be pushing on the brakes really hard and Abe comes out of this meeting and says, well, it's not gonna be a simple thing to do, to have some kind of territorial uh, issue worked out. It's going to be something we do step by step. And you say, whoa, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. This is the last chance before the summit to to put to you know put some tinsel on it and make it all bright and seem like it's going to be a great time. About and three weeks away. Yeah, and then, instead it was an incredible downer. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. He then Abe went to Buenos Aires and he met with the president there and and had a very nice meeting. Some people were sort of sort of making comments about the fact that suddenly a Trump project that was uh, there. Uh, got done during this time, and it was just all these other ancillary things. But the, the 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 summit between the two countries, Japan and, and Argentina, went really well. There's a beautiful photograph of the of uh, the wives and the husbands having a, a nice meal together, where where of course it's summertime in, in Argentina mm -hmm. right now, so they looked rather comfortable. Uh, but he then is coming back, and the bombshell hits. Right. Trump, via this really, I mean, I hope this is not the way he's going to communicate with the, the American people, but via that videotape says, day one, I'm going to say we're moving out of the TPP. Mm -hmm. And the prime minister said, but wait a minute, I gave you a golf club and everything, and I thought we were you were somebody that I could trust, and you were a person that we could deal with. Yeah, and that didn't tell him that part, did he? Did he? T well, of course, Mr. Abe is not going to say, you know, Trump betrayed me, uh, or that because he didn't. There was no promise there, of course. Right. Well, I mean, nobody knows what the context of the conversation was in the first. Yeah, place. but the, but it came even before he had come back, mm -hmm. 
and right. th that the United States was definitely pulling out. Now, Mr. Abe, before he left, said that if TPP was truly not functioning, Japan would move on to the China-dominated RCEP, mm -hmm. Regional Economic Cooperation uh, idea that's there, that partnership. Uh, and he hasn't said anything about that since that statement before his departure. But he certainly said that with TPP without the United States is meaningless, imingannai. Uh, and there's nothing more clear that whatever the strategic implications of the TPP are, which are very important if you're trying to quietly surround China with mm -hmm. allies of, of the United States that are linked together in an economic network. Uh, Though you, no one will ever say that out loud because immediately that would ruin their bilateral relationship with China. But that idea without the United States doesn't exist. Japan is just not attractive enough. Right. And, and Mr. Abe is, you know, he's, he's owning up to that. Yeah. It's not quite a vacuum, but it, it appears to be a vacuum that is being created. And the Russians seem to be wanting to move into that. So, for example, in the Northern Territories, they're moving missile systems into the two islands, and this is a new development that's just come up and hit the, hit the press over the last couple of days, they're doing the same thing in the Crimea. And the thing is, if, if, if you read the Russian press, they're, they're really walking back from anything that Putin may have said about you know, friendly or, right. or, or starting over. He, off, he frequently uses judo terms mm -hmm. like hajime uh, in order to say that, show that he has some kind of sympathy toward Japan's position, but nevertheless, the Russians seem to be putting all kinds of resources and now military hardware into mm -hmm. the islands, which, if there's some kind of territorial deal, makes no sense whatsoever. Right. There was a report of a, a anti-submarine helicopter also approaching the Senkakus. The Senkakus, which is on the uh, completely, uh, it's in the it's in the East China Sea. Uh, what do but you, in context of all of this going on, I mean, this is this is rather meaningful. It's meaningful, but the thing is, it's just. If this is uh, a a warming of relations, goodness no. gracious! Right? You know, what kind? Who is this for? The audience for? Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it, it's just a big come down for the prime minister. Mm -hmm. That being said, the opposition has gotten absolutely zero traction out of any of the prime minister's misfortunes. What's happened with them? You would have thought that as a champion for not going with TPP, they would be waving the flag as soon as the prime minister said, imiganai, the, yeah, the yeah. We were right, we told you, don't mess with the calendar for the extraordinary session, don't have all right. these We were push. right. You know, you, you had your, your ministers that made mistaken statements about railroading, but they wanted to railroad through the, the legislation in order to have it done by the US election mm -hmm. as if that was going to some way change the, the votes of a few folks in the Midwest, which was where the, the battle was being fought. If anything, having the TPP announced would have probably sunk that place even worse right. in terms of voting. But nevertheless, the opposition, after being absolutely correct about the entire right. span, gets zero credit. Well, maybe they're fighting internally about who is going to go in front of the cameras. Uh, maybe, but the, you, you would have thought you know, there should have been at least one childish sure. member of the of the opposition going na 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 na, <laughs> uh, because that's your right. Right. 
in the political system. If you're, you were correct and the, the prime minister comes back with egg on his face, you're supposed to laugh at him. Right. But it just doesn't work. So in the context of, of the three arrows that the prime minister has touted for a long time, TPP was one of the anchor points of the third era. Absolutely, absolutely. In terms of the growth of the economy that was supposed to happen in the first of the new three arrows, mm -hmm. the, 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 when we have a 600 trillion yen economy. Now, what's the growth engine? Is it womenomics? Yeah, that's also in, in the mix. They have, in fact, stepped back from the womenomics point of view. In fact, they are really, really not wanting to deal with the tax, special tax treatment for women who work part-time mm -hmm. that they get if they have a spouse who works full-time. They, they, they just they bailed on that. They just got too frightened of the possible re repercussions from the cometo, which brings up this question of, with all of this happening, reversals on the TPP, a cold meeting with Putin, what has happened to the possibility of having a snap election? Uh, that one is looking farther and farther from reality. That's real. I mean, the, the whole the whole legislative calendar, mm -hmm. all of the planning, even the big summit with Putin was all framing mm -hmm. for what was supposed to be a brief opening of the diet. Then we go to an election. They get back together, slam through a budget. And then bingo, Mr. Abe goes into an LDP meeting where they finally vote and say, yes, you can have a third term as LDP right. president and be prime minister until 2021. Whew, it's gone. The Abe-Putin relationship portends so much for Japan and it infiltrates so many other things. For example, the snap election, what's going to happen in Yamaguchi in less than three weeks time. Please stay tuned. We're going to continue to watch this. Welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. The whole world knows by now that Japan was struck by yet another earthquake in the same area in Fukushima that the last earthquake struck us almost six years ago. Michael, the reaction of the Japanese government this time was really remarkable. It was really stunning. It was, first of all, that the, 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 the national broadcaster, NHK, just came on at immediately after the earthquake at 5.59, and the announcers were just screaming, mm -hmm. get to higher ground, don't do anything else. If there's someone you know who needs help, help them. And just start, they were, they were just frantic and hysterical. Right. But at the, at the same time, suddenly, whoosh, comes, in comes Chief Cabinet Secretary Suga into the Kante, delivers a few comments to waiting reporters. And this is before 6.20 in the morning. This is before, this is within minutes of this earthquake. The, the chief cabinet secretary is there at the rostrum, the man who basically runs the country, mm -hmm. but is also the, the nation's major spokesman, and delivering, we, we, these are what we have, this is what we have done, these are the issues that need to be handled, please get yourself uh, to higher ground, and completely in control. Right. Of course, let's be let's be fair. In terms of energy released, the earthquake that took place this week was 1000 times smaller uh, in terms of energy uh, than the one that struck mm -hmm. on, on 311. Thank God. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. But tsunami warnings immediately right. and get to higher ground. Right. I was awake. I was having coffee at uh, six o'clock in the morning when this 
earthquake struck. And when we were watching TV, they gave us a warning that said, there is an earthquake, be prepared for aftershocks. Mm -hmm. And I'm having my coffee, and then the earthquake hit. So they, they are really on top of this thing. They are really on top of this thing. And that the government is there, the, the, the broadcasters are there in a way that, okay, you, you have a bad experience and mm -hmm. you learn from it. And this, this has been a learning experience. Of course, the, the tsunami that came in was much smaller than predicted. But still, in, at least in the city of Sendai, it was a, a meter 40 centimeters. But they never know this. They, I that, mean, even at this don't. stage, they don't know actually when it's going to hit or how bad it's going to be. I mean, the whole time you would, they had the cameras focused on the harbor and ships were racing out of the harbor and you know, 10 minutes later you could see the harbor draining. Right. And so you knew this is gonna be big, this is gonna really hurt. But actually the backwash from the tsunami was not as significant as even two meters. Yeah, well, it wasn't, but the thing is that they really have learned. Now, there are still some lessons that need to be learned. The, uh, the, uh, there, was still, there were still cars on the roads, visibly, uh, way too late. They should not have been there. And they're going, they're, the local administrations are talking about right. what we have to do to get people to abandon their cars and walk up the hill. A great practice run. Yeah, it was a great practice run in that regard. It could have been so much worse, what was a, What is fascinating for the political per people, though, is how quickly Prime Minister Abe got on mm -hmm. television from Latin America. Yes. It was before the hour was out. He was on, mm -hmm. and he was giving instructions about what you should do and, and what the government is doing, so that it's very clear that the management of natural disasters is a vital part of modern day politics right. in Japan, human security, as they say in the political science biz, that to deal with people's concerns and fears and getting on television, which was, frankly was not on the minds of uh, the people who were trying to handle the situation at uh, in 311, or when you go, if you go a generation back, the 95 earthquake in Kobe mm -hmm. and, and, and Awaji, the, 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 the Hanshin Daishin Sai. That earthquake, nobody knew what to do, nobody was doing anything. Now it's really on the, it's, right. it's I mean. The, the, the city actually raged in fire for two days. That's right, and the, 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 the SDF were not called out. Here, every mm -hmm. bit of all the pieces that should be engaged in terms of disaster relief were working, they were clicking, and that was impressive. Still, one of the pumps went out at, the, at Fukushima Daini, not the Daiichi that was destroyed, but the, the other major complex along the Fukushima co coast. So there was that reminder, we have this situation mm -hmm. at Fukushima Daiichi of well, now over a thousand tanks filled with 800,000 tons of radioactive water that presumably could be knocked out by a massive tsunami, releasing all that into right. the environment. That this this issue of nuclear power and nuclear safety is again going to be pushing hard against what the government is trying to do in terms of reactor restarts. Right. You know, the Vietnamese have actually decided they're not going along with nuclear power. That's a, it's an amazing setback from Mr. Abe and. His, major sale, he's been calling himself salesman number one. Right. And he's been, every time his plane touches down, he either signs a check 
or he offers a nuclear power plant. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a gross simplification, but the number of projects in Turkey, in, in, in Northern Europe, all over, there are all, every time he goes somewhere, yeah. he's either doing something for Mitsubishi Heavy or for Hitachi, or he brings along these representatives and boom, and now these projects that are the lifeblood mm -hmm. of the nuclear industry in Japan, because let's face it, nobody's going to want to build a nuclear power plant now, or at least try for a, at least a decade. So all of this industry is basically frozen in maintenance work. Mm -hmm. uh, their projects are disappearing. And this Vietnamese announcement was, was a real body blow that hasn't yet been absorbed. Here. Right. You know, the prime minister catches a lot of flack, even on this show. We criticize some of the things that are going on and why we can't get the three arrows, even one of the arrows, to kind of really get this economy going again. But nevertheless, there are, for branding purposes, the Japanese seem to be projecting themselves as really, you know, doing government pretty well. Well, they're doing as government as a major provider or, or a conduit for doing business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. And, and certainly that's been an aspect of the Abe Gaiko, the Abe foreign policy, mm -hmm. that he's there not only just to touch down, though he has touched down, uh, I think the count is 65 countries. He's the know. most traveled prime minister ever. Yeah, history, uh, right. that I, I'm not sure exactly the number that's right now, but it, it's, it's more than anyone else has ever done. But he's also been always accompanied by some kind of signing of mm -hmm. some kind of contract. And even here, when we were talking about the, the, the Putin meeting, uh, he had an eight-point economic plan, right. which Putin's very interested in, whereas he's not interested in, in the territorial issues. Right. But, but, you know, all of these things, the, the one good aspect of the Abe project uh, and a lot of people are noticing this is is been the foreign policy mm -hmm. and the uh, the and that's on the both the political and the the economic side. Well, that's a frequent place to run and hide when things aren't going so well internally. Well, internally, the thing is that uh, I wish that the government would would stop being uh, embarrassed that they've met met their targets. It's quite difficult to meet your targets in an environment of global economic readjustment like right. we're going through. And particularly with the United States economy in, in stop-start mode, and definitely with China's in a slowdown mode, mm -hmm. what are going to be the engines? Right. Well, not Japan with its aging population. Japan was supposed to be the one providing technology to the world. That's, that's the plan. And it wasn't just Abe's plan, it was the plan of the, D the Democratic Party before it, mm -hmm. that Japan's going to be the- Do what you're good at. Do what we do, do well. If the rest of the world doesn't want our stuff, then the economic plan sort of falls apart. Right. And, and which reflects on the TPP issue. It reflects on all of the different issues, but in in I, the government feels embarrassed, and, and if if not the government, then the Bank of Japan, that it's not met the targets sure. that that it said it would. Uh, they've started to talk it back, but they should really. I mean, the president's main advisor Hamada at Yale University has said, you know, I, I have to admit, I thought that. Inflation was purely a monetary phenomenon that if you just change the monetary policy, inflation would arise. I have to admit, Dang. I have to admit there are other factors. Yes. World oil prices going down being the major one. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's 
you know, they, they should, you know, go with that. And they right. say, look, uh, we have these goals. We've had these arrows. They didn't go the way exactly we went, but gosh, gosh darn it, we really did push hard on it. And imagine if we hadn't done anything. Right. That's mm. that. That I think is sellable. But then, why sell anything when, uh, as you and I know, when there's no opposition? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to say you're sorry if there's nobody who can who's going to replace you. Right. But to his credit, I mean, you've got to look at how many balls are in the air, how many really big issues are confronting the prime minister. I agree that that, that he is, and, and and that he is working hard on many different aspects of a, a really shifting landscape. Mm-hmm. And it, it's true that maybe domestically, you know, everything's gone the way he wanted to, and now we're having some, some issues on the foreign side. But nevertheless, he has really done a, an excellent job. He and Suga, let's be fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you cannot imagine Abe working without Suga. Suga's now been in that position of chief cabinet secretary longer than anyone has ever been. Uh, without it, it's it's it, it's a two-headed creature right. as long as that that team is there uh we're going to have some kind of of smoothness in terms of the sailing <clears throat> but is there going to be a day of reckoning right i don't know you know in terms of global branding though not only was the uh, administration quick to respond to the earthquake of two days ago oh uh, sure but this story out of fukuoka this I- enormous sinkhole that occurred right in the center of the city and was repaired within uh, within eight days. It, yeah. the, the cars were traveling, made major news and really shone a, a positive light on, on the Japanese, their efficiency, their way to, to do something of, of tremendous significance in a very tight schedule. Well, uh, to quote a, a certain now somewhat discredited political slogan, yes, we can. Yes. Uh, in this case, yes, they could. Uh-huh. Uh, and of course, the world was stunned that you know there's a hole and it's gone they really you know and that japan has the capacity when needed Mm -hmm. to do amazing things is something that the abe administration has insisted right and that's really to their credit i mean they really have spoken very positively about the potential that exists Mm -hmm. and that incident in fukuoka which was caused by the the a construction project, right. the construction of, of a subway system, the response and ability to to completely fill the hole, repave it, put on, put back the, the same traffic lines that were there before. If the only reason you know anything was different is because some of the paving on the side doesn't right. quite match, but otherwise you say, no, that couldn't mm-hmm. have been the same place, but you know that it is. That's amazing. Tectonic issues constantly confront Japan. We're watching this closely and reporting them to you. Please stay tuned. Welcome back to Tokyo on Fire. This segment here is dedicated to all of you policy wonks and professional geeks because we're really going to go inside baseball and talk about the possibility of a snap election coming up within the next maybe six weeks or eight weeks, Michael? I've, I can't see it happening before the, the New Year's holidays. They, of course, will have the closing of the current session of the, of the extraordinary session of the Diet, and there's going to be a few days, but that time was supposedly supposed to be revving up the PR machine for the Putin visit. And mm-hmm. then you, have only, you only have 16 days left in the year. Everybody goes off work on the 28th. 
there's not enough time to run an election, right. in my view. It was a hot topic for us a couple of months ago. We were thinking and predicting and projecting the window of opportunity for the prime minister and other dynamics that are going on that help us kind of read the tea leaves to say, yes, he's setting up for it. For example, LDP meeting. The LDP has its March meeting instead of a January meeting. Uh, that's supposed to be supposedly for his coronation uh, as being the first LDP uh, president. Who's back, going back it up just a little bit. So he's only supposed to serve two terms. That's right. And two months ago, the LDP had a meeting that said, yes, he could, he could serve three. Yeah, they were, they were think uh, opening the possibility yeah, up. They were trying to, to figure out how do we open up the Pandora's box of allowing someone to go on and on. Now, th these rules were all cooked up as were term limits in the United States for presidents because of somebody being in a position for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And that somebody was Abe's great uncle Sato, uh, Sato Eisaku, who served from 1964 until 1972, mm -hmm. a long period of time. Right. Uh, and that long period of time uh, ticked off other major players within the within the LDP, and they set up these rules that you have to can only do two consecutive terms as president. And then they expanded it from two two-year terms to two three-year terms. But that's not enough for this Abe prime ministership. It's going on and on and on, unlike most premierships which die out in a year. He, so they were going to go, okay, what can we do? We can either get rid of the limits, mm -hmm. you can be reelected as many times as you want, or we can do a third term. And they went with that second idea, which is there'll be a third three-year term available so that you can serve up till nine years, which would, again, put him past great uncle Sato. Right. And the other um, issue that they dealt with is that this is not um, something that is uh, future projecting. I mean, the current administration also gets to benefit on this new rule change. That's exactly right. Frequently, they they recuse themselves. That's right. This is this is this is purely opportunistic and and purely to reward him. He did bring the party back from the political wilderness and now to super majorities in both mm -hmm. the House of Councillors and the House of Reps. In the House of Councillors, it's with not only the the LDP's formal alliance partner, the Cometo, but with a few minor parties, the, the uh, initiatives out of Osaka is now called, or no, it's initiatives from Japan, Ishin, mm -hmm. uh, those people, and then the Japanese Kokoro, the, the party of Japanese Kokoro. With those, they've got the ability to manipulate the constitution if they wish to do so, which is something that we have seen completely shoved off the table. Right. And these, he, he deserves a third term. Mm -hmm. But now, the whole point of that was to be, give him that third term for having led them to a, a, a victory in the winter. Right. Now... Which would have been described in a lot of different ways. I mean, but maybe the peace treaty, peace treaty with Russia, for example, oh. or TPP, and we're yeah, rushing through that. And that's right. It was supposed to be a referendum on TPP, a referendum on a possible deal with the Russians. No TPP, no deal with the Russians, no election. Right. And you still want to get those extra three years. Going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. So 
our, our favorite scenario right now is not that there's going to be a snap election in January, but if there is, it's got a very tight window where it can actually happen. You know, it's, it is, it's so hard to see how the delayed meeting will be handled in terms of PR. Everyone understood that there is always a January meeting, except under special circumstances, mm -hmm. once when there was an election. So when they moved preemptively the movie the, the meeting to March, it seemed like there was no nothing that else that it could be but the preamble for an election. Right. Now it's it's just in the wrong place. Yes. And if he doesn't have an election, what are they going to do about his the request? Well, he, he he's been very Japanese in that he himself has not formally said, I want to continue and I deserve it. Oh, he no, has to be asked. He has to be asked and, and his, his underlings and his, his partisans are of course pushing hard for this rule change. And the other barons inside the LDP, uh, Komura Masahiko or Nikai Toshihiro, mm, this sounds like a good idea, let's mm -hmm. go, go forward with this. If he doesn't have an election, he's getting rewarded for nothing. Right. And or he might not get rewarded. Yeah, but the th the, then then what was this all about? And there, there was one of the things that has been so characteristic of this administration as compared to other ones is its sequencing. Mm -hmm. A, after, then B, then C, then D, and, right. we, and they get the timing right, they get the, the period of time between the two steps right, they get them in the right order, and this was part of it. We, we're going to do... Well, this is the calculus for politics, isn't it? Yeah, but in this case, no administration in my memory has ever yes. been able to really sit back and say, no, we don't have to do this right now right. because we have to do this step first. And it's only after this step is done that we can move on. Well, apparently they learned a lot from the Clinton administration, wouldn't you think? Well, I think they learned a lot from the administrations of the Democratic Party when, the, when, when they tried to do everything all at once. Sure. In, instead, they sequence things, they are patient. But here, the sequencing, the juggernaut, the movement has, has just gone right off the road because of things that Abe could never control. Sure. He could not control the United States on TPP. He can't control Putin's view of Japan, except whatever it is that he may feel as an emotional tie to, to judo. Right. It's just, this, the, the calendar is now off and it's not their fault, but what is there going to be their response? So is it accurate to say that without some kind of good Christmas gift, the prime minister is probably not going to push for a snap election and thereby project a snap election or maybe just the regular election cycle that will happen this time next year? Well, the thing is, his term in office ends in 2018. And there has to be an election for the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. And it gets messed up in terms of the timing of his term in office as president of the LDP and yes. the timing of the, the official end of the House of Representatives term. So the best timing is in January. It's the best timing for the, if you want to have control over the process. Right. If you want to just let it go, and that's what happened in the case of the Aso administration. Mm -hmm. When Prime Minister Aso came into power, he came in with the expressed purpose of immediately holding a snap election because the, the LDP would be 
bouncing back out of the doldrums of the Fukuda administration yeah. and would be able to prevail against the tremendous headwinds of the world and Japan and the Japanese citizenry saying, it's time for you to go, LDP. No, we'd have a new administration that always sure. leads to a bounce up in our popularity and we'd be able to go. Makes sense. Except, of course, the global financial crisis erupted and something bigger than just an LDP election right. came on and took over the entire schedule. And they just kept delaying and delaying and delaying the election until it absolutely had to be held in mm -hmm. August. And they got wiped away. Right. And Abe and, and company learned from that. You have to be proactive. You have to have control of the calendar because the calendar will control you mm -hmm. otherwise. Right. The prognosis for a snap election in January looking farther and farther away. But these kinds of things are important to you if you're still awake and watching this. Please stay tuned. We're going to continue to follow this and report to you. Hi, guys. Thank you very much for watching Tokyo on Fire. We're entering December. We're going to take a bit of a break just like you. We'll be back. Stay tuned.